0: On today's episode of Ready to Lead, there are four questions to ask yourself when you're coming down to your personal purpose. Question number one, what does the world need? And I've actually, in my own model, tweaked this a little bit. I like to go a little bit more deeper in a higher power, and I ask, what does God want for me? And or what does a higher power want for me? Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you the leader tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Ready to Lead. I am your host, Richard Lindner, and joining me as always, the lovely, the talented, the uh, amazing dressing, the beautiful, Mr. Coach, everyone's favorite (laughs) leadership guide, Jeffrey Mask. Jeff, thank you for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs) This is awkward and amazing all at the same time. It's great to be with you all. This is going to be a good one today. And if you can, if you're already... Chuckling with us, then you're in good company. Mm. We always like to start with funny energy, and you should see the dances we do before we actually air. It they just are, gets our energy in a good place. <laughs> they are
1: not TikTok ready. I'll tell you that much, <laughs> but they do break through and get that energy in a good place, get that mindset. For me, it's i it, I'll tell you, just dive a little deeper on that. It's, it's a way to not take myself too seriously. If you're totally. looking at yourself dancing like a moron with another man on a Zoom, <laughs> First thing in the morning, you just can't take yourself that seriously. (laughs) And you know what? I love it. I love it. It puts me in (laughs) a good mental place to do this. And it does. It starts it with a laugh. So all that said, man, what is on your mind? Like, what are we going to be talking about today? I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'll say that before you do. I'm excited about our conversation, but, but for an interesting reason. So what are we going to be talking
0: about? we want to connect the dots meaning on a on a recent episode we were talking about goal setting in particular the r the being relevant setting goals that are relevant to our overarching purpose as a company our why and then we alluded to and also ideally aligning our goals to the to the what's relevant to our personal why which begged the question and many listeners heard well what if I'm not sure about my personal why? Like, what, what is my purpose here in this, you know, time of life in my life period? And we want to dive deeper on that. We want to go through a few exercises, through fr- a few frameworks, a few things that I take uh, CEOs and executive leaders through to help them uncover what, what is their why? What's their gift? What can they bring to the world? Because the clearer we are on our why, the more effectively we can set goals that are relevant that will be in harmony with that why and the more we do that the more we're in flow the more exciting and energetic they can be versus tiring and burnout and feeling like man it's only february and i'm not even accomplishing my goals i believe it's because we're not anchoring to the bigger purpose and the reason why we exist so we're going to dive into that today which now that you're hearing that i'm hoping you're all thinking "Ooh, i'm excited too that's going to be kind of cool to hear and uh, hopefully we deliver for you well <laughs> you're either thinking that or
1: you're thinking, what the heck? Like (laughs) skip. Yeah. Skip. (laughs) And, and, and here's what I'll tell you as a bit of a, I was going to say cynic. I don't, I I don't believe cynic is the right word where for me, I don't clearly know my personal why. I don't know. I don't have a, a personal mission statement. I can't tell you my personal purpose. I can tell you that here at the scalable company our purpose is to help entrepreneurs scale themselves so they can scale their companies that's something i'm passionate about i know the reason we started this podcast is because i believe that we have deployed logical solutions to common problems that have resulted in illogical failures and i believe Hmm. that more people will come to the same conclusion and the same failures and if we share our failures and maybe ultimately what we learned and how we achieve success from them then it'll help you so All those things I can say, but I don't have a personal why. I don't have a personal mission statement. I'm envious of those who do. And I can sometimes, one, be resentful, but two, be the critic, be the cynic when someone says, we need to come up with your personal why or your personal mission statement. Mm -hmm. I go to, one, that's hard for me blue ocean thinking and really dialing that in is not a natural gift of mine but two I also go to I just want to get to work on my goals I don't want to do this so Mm -hmm. I'm excited that this conversation because I'm hoping that you know Jeff can share some stuff here that that he's probably told me before that that I actually hear it this time or I can hear it and, and resonate with it and feel it from a different place because I would love to have that but I also am going to play a little bit of the of the the role of the Senate, Zach, the critic where I'm yeah. at. And, and I'm excited because I think that those episodes are, you know, are, are powerful for both those who are excited and hopefully those who are like, man, I don't have time for this.
0: Make time yep. for it. I think this, I think you'll, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Agreed. Yeah. I'm glad you shared that. H- having those differing opinions and philosophies and ways we look at anything in life but in particular in relevance right now of our personal purpose and our why i think it's great Mm -hmm. because you know we're leading all walks of life and it's important to empathize and to understand people's mindsets their backgrounds where you know where they're coming from to help them lead them from where they're at versus trying to start at a starting place where they're not even able to start so I think both it's ways i think it's if, really good you know if you're
1: yeah. if you know your why and you can you can clearly state it and it is at the core it is your true why your true purpose at the core of everything you do and all decisions that you make and you're leading people mm-hmm. who don't know theirs and who maybe aren't all that interested in figuring it out because they have clarity without it potentially or at least they think they do you've got to lead one way if the roles are reversed you can't not acknowledge or or you know lead a person uh, a a certain way so as i would go through this and listen i would not only listen for your personal beliefs but say what are the personal beliefs of the people that i'm called to lead and how do i need to change uh, and make sure that i'm not pushing my bias down one way or the other even if i'm trying to encourage them towards creating this how do i not Mm -hmm. push that bias down because the hardest thing in the world to deal with is Something this big, maybe for someone who's more analytical, that their leader says, well, we can't move forward until we have this figured out. That's one thing organizationally for an individual that can be paralyzing and can ultimately lead to a breaking of trust and an exit from the company, which is kind of the opposite of what you would you would hope to achieve in in helping someone to identify their purpose or why. So again, stage set all the ways that I would love our listeners to, uh, listen to this, this episode, this content and, and, and all the different hats I'd like them to wear for the next 20 or 30 minutes with us.
0: Love it. Love it. So what, what we'll jump into first is what needs to be true in my opinion, in order for this, for us to be able to discover our personal why. So some of the, if you will, preparatory work and some of the foundational work so before i go into a framework and a, and a methodology that i take people through first i want to cover what what needs to be true so first we need to let go of perfectionism what happens very often when people are trying to f- discover what is their what's their why why do they exist why what do they really want to why do they exist the, on the planet they are so stuck on making sure that it's perfect and that it's exactly right before they go anywhere else because they don't want to say anything that might be off. The difficulty of your personal purpose is you kind of have to try it out. You got you to gotta say, okay, I think it's this. I think it might be this. And be okay to flex with it, to tweak it, to change it. But you, you won't know it until you start to live it and you start to actually apply it. But if you're too worried on, is this the right wording? Is this the right thing? I don't know if this is right. So therefore, if I'm a perfectionist, it's either all or nothing. And very often with purpose, it's nothing because I'd rather not set a purpose. I don't, it doesn't really make sense to me. So I'm just going to set some goals, which is fine, by the way, it doesn't mean that you're bad or you're wrong. It just means there could potentially be a deeper, richer meaning that you could attach to your goals that might fuel you, that might inspire you, that might help you stay, stay sustainable because you see the bigger picture of why you're doing it. But perfectionism can get in the way. So that's one. That may or may not be something with you, Richard. You may or may not be the type of person who is like all or nothing if it's not right. right? But by the way, for the listeners that are are listening and can't see, right when I said that, he laughed. He looked right in the camera. He smiled at me like, you idiot. (laughs) That's totally me. (laughs) Which is fine, right? And it's again, it's not I don't think it's a, f- a flaw I really don't. It's just a way that how some minds are wired. Some are more comfortable with ambiguity and potentially having it wrong and testing through experience if it's right or wrong or if it if it feels good or bad to you. Others are like, "No, it's got to be black or white. If it's not, I'm, there's there's no sense in me doing it." So, that's that's step number 1. Avoid perfectionism and just try something first and see how it feels. <laughs> I think that's the one I'm um, stuck at. Maybe I maybe yeah. maybe maybe why. <laughs> Uh, Step number two is to ask ask yourself, and this goes deep: How at peace are you with your past? How much can you look in the mirror and embrace who is, versus wish you were someone else? As I say very often, we as adults are just kids in big people's bodies, trying to figure out life, trying to dare I say it mask. Some of the insecurities and self-conscious thoughts and things that we have that have been buried really, really deep from our childhood and adolescence. But man, you think about what happened in in grade school and elementary school. Think about what happened in it happens in middle school. Psychologically, you get beat up. You mm. just do, and you, you you can get made fun of. You can you just we all have insecurities, and how we embrace those and how we let those become strengths in our in our abilities or just we have peace with ourselves and just let go of certain things the more we can do that the more we can think about the future otherwise we are tethered with a whole bunch of historical childhood baggage and trauma and issues that we all have by the way even if you had quote-unquote a perfect family setting with all sorts of harmony we still have things that just can mess us up what we choose to do with them and how we choose to respond is really a lot of the purpose of life, in my opinion. But if we don't have peace with our our past and we can't embrace who we are in our present, it's really difficult to have clarity in our future Mm -hmm. and why we exist. So yeah, I mean, it's a good
1: exercise to figure out what drives you as well, because there are plenty of times that negative or positive experiences from your past can be a driving and a motivating factor in your success and achievement i believe the more negative the 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 driving factor right if it is a i'm not good enough i was never good enough i believe the more negative that that you know that fuel is one the more passion you can feel to overcome it or to to disprove it but two the harder it is to make that transition from individual contributor to People leader. If you are trying to overcome, and I'm not good enough, and in my in my mind, in my opinion, if if your driving factors to prove people wrong, whether they ever said it or whether you just felt it in your adolescence in your childhood, to prove people wrong by becoming successful, that can be incredibly motivating for an individual contributor. If you cannot change your motivation from when you change your role and your responsibility from individual contributor to leader of people. This is when I see the most competition between leaders and the people that they're charged to lead. And I don't mean healthy competition. Mm. This is when imposter syndrome comes in because there's the conflict of, I know that what the way I'm acting and the way that I'm I'm driving for my own personal success is not, is no longer benefiting me. And I feel bad about it, but I have to prove that I am right. I am good enough. So I think that yeah. this can be a powerful exercise, not only in just determining your purpose, but de- determining your motivation and, and asking yourself, do I even believe that that motivation, the thing that is motivated, have I disproved, have I disproven it? Is it true anymore? Is, does it serve me any longer? And if no, where do I find my motivation? So whether you call it motivation or purpose, where is your drive yeah. built from? I think that this is a really healthy and difficult Exercise to dive through.
0: Yeah. I really like that slant a lot, Richard. And I believe is what plateaus a lot of leaders. Like you said, one, for the competition with the people that you're leading and you feeling, you know, insecure and feeling like they're going to quote unquote take your job. Two, because when our motive has been about proving ourselves and <laughs> showing that we are enough, it doesn't sustain. Right. That, that's where we get super tired. We get, we get burned out, and we just go, man, this isn't worth it. We've got to find a different motive. And I think that's great. It takes me to the the third one, and that is a really healthy relationship with fear. At its core, we at our core as human beings, we are wired by fear. Understandably, it's how we survived when our when we were on the earth. I mean, saber-toothed tigers and others were at us to to kill us. We had to have fight or flight in order to survive, and that is still in our DNA. How we deal with that and how we work through that in a modern civilization when the, the saber-toothed tigers are not after us is really fascinating. So much so that m- multiple studies you look at, 95% of the actions that we take are subconscious. They're just kind of on autopilot. We, as very often as human beings, we are just kind of coasting along in life on autopilot through learned patterns and behaviors that are very subconscious. The more we can unpack why we do what we do, the more we get clear very much of what we do is rooted in fear and avoidance. And there are two Mm. core main, there are core fears, two of them. One is fear of failure slash not being good enough. The other one is fear of loss. And when you, when you boil everything that we're doing down to that, just understanding that is really fascinating and that that process and that journey I think is really advantageous for any human being but then also to understand where does that show up for me and then to be at peace with that and to see when we are subconsciously making decision decisions that are motivated by those fears we can actually stop and rehack our brain and say well i'm not going to be on autopilot anymore I'm going to choose a different path. Mm. Super, super helpful. In fact, there's a book that actually helped me through this that I really like. It's a quick read. It's called Choosing Clarity, The Path to Fearlessness by Kimberly Giles. Just a great aha in my mind. Isn't end all be all, but is a good self-discovery and I think a good path for us to learn about fear and how it operates within our own hearts and our own minds so that we can then get to the place of where we're going to in the first place of finding our purpose. But if we don't, we don't make peace with that. It's really tough, and we get in our own way subconsciously very often, because we're fear we're, we're fearful of of failing, and we're fearful of 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 losing something. Yeah. Which, funny enough, if you think about the first reason that I said we need to work through the perfectionism, what is that rooted in? Fear of failure. Yeah, right. That, that's that's what we're trying to do. So, so I'm just kind of articulate a little deeper because it's a it's a big deal.
1: Sure, and I, I do I love this one, and and I agree. I think the. We want the potential of gain to be everyone's top motivator, even our own. But if we Mm -hmm. are truthful, the fear of loss is globally far more of a, you know, motivator and of a trigger than the opportunity for gain. We all know what it feels like to have what we have house, spouse, car, money status, whatever it is, and we all have the perception of what it would be like to lose that. You don't know if it would be more motivating for Jeff to have more money, a different car, a a bigger house, a second house, whatever the, the case may be, because Jeff, even though he may intellectually say that he wants that, he may not be able to truly fathom it with all of his senses. It may not be able to be a reality that he can smell, see, touch, feel, but it's something that sounds good to want. So you mm-hmm. got to be careful there. One of the ways that I love, if, if you can break through and have an honest conversation and really honestly verbalize your fear, I love to walk my children and myself through an exercise of then what? Well, this is my fear. If, if this would happen, well, then what? What would you do? Forget, let's say, nah, that would never happen. Let's say, okay, that does happen. What do you do? And then what? And then what? And then what? And at the end, we go, okay, great. So now we know what we don't want to happen, but we also know what it looks like and exactly what we would do if it would. So we can still not want it to happen, but now we have a plan for if it does, so we don't have to be afraid of it. And most of the time, what you'll find out is that plan is only two or three steps away from being okay. It's never as bad as you think about it because we don't think about it. To Jeff's point, we avoid it pain avoidance. What if you lean into it, lean into the things that you're afraid of in both admitting them and saying like, okay, what happens if I did take a reduction of status here? What happens if I did get demoted? Mm -hmm. What happens if I did fail on this project realistically? If I missed my deadline, if I did this and walk through the steps, I promise you, you're no more than five steps away from being okay. And more than likely it's a couple and more than likely at five steps, you're better than you were before. And once we know Mm -hmm. that it loses some of its power and fear over us. So to the extent that that's helpful, I love acknowledging the fear. I like going one step further and just leaning into it and living in it and going like, I don't know, what happens if I do get bit by a snake? To totally. me, I'm, totally. I'm 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 deathly afraid of snakes. But to walk through and be right. like, yeah, this is what would happen, and and it it would still be traumatic. But I know that if it would, I would do X, Y, Z, and yeah. I'd be okay, and you'd be fine. Yeah,
0: yeah. The genius in 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 what you just shared a bit of a tangent, but I think it's an important tangent. Articulating our feel our fears out loud mm-hmm. when we do, they become way less scary. And all of a sudden, we realize, oh, that was in my head. That's not a big deal. Now, I'm going to go at the tangent on the tangent because I think it still helps. It totally. teaches the point. If you're a fan of The Office, get ready. If you're not, this will still be okay. But this is a classic. You're going to l- listen to this and go, where is he going? But trust me, there's a point. There's an episode where one of the particular characters are super worried that her husband is 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 having an affair on her with his executive assistant. So Phyllis is worried that Bob is, is, you know, doing, doing, you know, unfaithful to her with, with his executive assistant and she's got it in her head, but nobody knows it. Then in a random, totally, totally irrelevant situation, she just blurted blurts it out to Dwight and says, I think that Bob's having an affair on me. And then she starts laughing and mm. Dwight's like utterly confused. Cause like, first of all, <laughs> we weren't even talking about this. Secondly, now you're laughing and he goes, well, why is that funny? And she goes, just saying that out loud helps me realize how silly that sounds. That's not true. But in her head, it was totally true. She gets it out and she's like, that's not accurate. But our minds do interesting things to us. So funny little moment there. But we, that uh, being clear with fear and having a good, healthy relationship with fear, I think is critical. OK, so now we've got those three steps down. Now let's go to the actual framework. There are four questions to ask yourself when you're coming down to your personal purpose. Question number one. What does the world need? And I've actually, in my own model, tweaked this a little bit. I like to go a little bit more deeper in a higher power. And I ask, what does God want for me? And or what does a higher power want for me? I believe in a higher power. And I believe that there's more to this life than just us transactionally going going through it. There's purpose to life in general. And if you don't subscribe to that, it's totally fine. You can ask the question, what does the world need? And if you do believe in a higher power, you can ask, what does God or what is the higher power, what does the universe want for me? Ask answering that question and going super deep. And it's not, by the way, an answer that you just kind of answer in a second. It takes some thinking. Sometimes sleep on it, right? Like, think about it. Ponder, meditate, pray, whatever it is that you do, and listen to what thoughts come to your mind and write them down. So, Jeff,
1: then uh, real quick, uh, I don't want to belabor, but here's where I get stuck it's a little bit perfectionism and a little bit, I'm sure it's a lot of different psychological issues. But when I hear that question, like I am not a self promoter, right? I can acknowledge my weakness on a laundry list. I can't tell you the things I'm great at. And again, that's rooted, that's not good. It's rooted in all kinds of stuff. And I'm sure we can do nine episodes on that. Right. But, but, but when I think about that, I think like, my instant gut, like where I, where I kind of draw back is the grandiose. like, I'm not, I'm just not that, like, that's a boy, what a big opinion of myself I must have. Yep. That's my, like where I go, like, ah, oh, that's so big. Yeah. And, and, in my role in, in the world and this like, what? And yeah. maybe it's perfectionism and maybe it's a lot of things, but I don't think I'm alone. How do you work through that? Because I know that there's a problem when I see something and I, and I, and I look to like, Oh, what's that? Is my mom calling me? Was there something else important that I needed to do when I retreat? It's a good, it's a good indicator for me that that's something that I need to spend some time in. This one is hard (laughs) because I can almost take a moral stance in a way that I self-identify. as like, I just don't think about myself that much. Like, I don't think that highly of myself. I'm not a self promoter. So it leans into some of the beliefs I have about myself, probably limiting. That's a lot, but maybe I'm trying to, I'm trying to check a lot of boxes here so that someone else hearing this, like, wait, step one is that question? Holy hell. Right. That's big. Right. Right. (laughs) When someone's feeling one or all of those things outside of like. Good for you. You've identified when you feel this much pain resistance on the other side of that as a breakthrough. I know that intellectually, totally. but my totally. primal fight or flight is telling me get the hell out of here. And yeah, I and I right. can explain it intellectually through a way that I self-identify, which is dangerous. Yep. So anyone feeling that, like, what would you tell me right now, other than shut up?
0: What I would tell you is stop living under underneath your privileges and your opportunities. And the, the interesting, subtle nuance of fear and ego, because they're, they're sisters or cousins, whatever you want to call them, is that we feel like it's easy to look at ego and go, man, that person's such a self promoter and they're so all about themselves and man, I am so not that. Mm -hmm. So therefore I'm not going to, who am I to say that I can go make an impact in the world i'm just one person guess what that's the opposite side of ego and what we're caring about is what people think one way or the other Mm. so when we're hey look at us we care about what people think when we think hey don't look at me i'm just going to blend in with a crowd we're caring what people think Mm. but i believe at the core of all this there's divinity in every human being on the planet if there's divinity in every human being on the planet who are we not to show up from a place of what would The universe have me do to make an impact in the world and maybe in the world is in my community in my neighborhood of 500 people the point is it's beyond us and when each person on the planet can think how can i bless the lives of other people from an altruistic selfless loving motive think of what would happen but see we get in our own way because of the three steps before those three get in the way in this conversation right now yeah. And sometimes all three of them, sometimes one of them. And so my simple answer is who are you not to be some something amazing? Who are you not to create a massive impact in the world? And I believe it took me facing, almost losing my wife and me facing cancer to actually crack open these questions that really rocked me, like to my core. And I just thought, man, why am I here? And I had really deep conversations in my mind and with God. And I was like, why do you want me here? Because clearly you do, because I could have very easily died from the cancer that I, that I was diagnosed, diagnosed with as most men my age who have that same type of cancer, mm, melanoma, right. die. So I didn't. So now that I'm still here, what would you have me do? And it just pushed me to get over fear and insecurity and the exact question you raised, dude, who am I to even ask the question? It helped me realize, obviously someone, because I'm still here. Yeah. And I believe that's the case with every person on the planet. We all have something massive to bring. But it's not for the motive of, look how awesome I am. It's the motive of uplifting and inspiring those around us to help them be the best versions of themselves. True. That's the nuance. So from a place question. of
1: service. Correct. A place of adding value to others. Yeah, True selflessness. Yep. Not thinking yep. of yourself. Totally. Less just thinking but about us you know, more.
0: We, right. And when we hear that, we kind of go, yeah, BS, it's all about you. We're just cyn- cynical. We, we, we yeah. are as human beings. But, no, I agree. But when we can True get True alignment. But- like when,
1: when I can help others, when I can invest in right. others, when I can think, how do I help others? It, it, I think it's human nature. It's natural. And there has to be alignment in, in doing this. At yep. some point I have to benefit and maybe at the beginning, it's benefit from the energy that it brings because I know that there are activities mm-hmm. that I do that, that produce energy as an introvert, right? There are energy, there are things that I do and I know that, that empty my tank and figuring out where the, where the, the activities occur that actually you know, produce energy and fill that tank is a good indication for me. Maybe not a purpose, but of motivation.
0: Well, you, you're going to the next question. It's either a good segue or I'd jumped ahead. It's a perfect segue. Perfect and that's segue. That, like, that's how, that's how you know that it works well, because you're already starting to use the words that, that they naturally go to this next step. Right? Mm. And the, and the next question is, what do I love doing? And the questions you were just asking, thats it. it's like, what gives me tons of energy? What just lights me up? What do I just feel so full when I get to do? And I just feel overjoyed that when Sunday night comes, I can't wait for Monday to, to, to come because I'm stoked versus Sunday night coming and I'm just drowning my sorrow in a bowl of ice cream or, or a bottle of Jack Daniels, right? Whatever it is, whatever a drug of choice is. When we know we're onto something, it's when we're just lit up. Yeah. After we do that activity, we just feel so inspired and so grateful and so happy and we want to serve others. In other words, it's our oxygen that enables us to then provide oxygen to others because we have it so in, in such abundance for ourselves that we naturally can share with others the airplane analogy. So what do we, what do I love doing is the second question. Then the third question, what am I good at? And the, here's how you know <laughs> that we've alluded to this in other episodes. What you're good at typically is what people will tell you. Wow, you're really good at that, and you brush it off. Why? Because you're so naturally good at it, you don't think it's anything worthy of being applauded because it's just so, like, second nature to you that you think doesn't everybody do this? No, that's
1: good. Yeah, that's. I, I love that. I love looking at it through that lens or that analog of it's not humility that brushes it off from a lot, but it's more like. What are you talking about? I mean, I just
0: it takes I you just did
1: effort. X, y or z and and the it's exactly. almost like assumed knowledge, but it's assumed proficiency it it Correct. is so natural to you you assume it is natural yep. to everyone else because of a lack of effort required for you to to do it you right. can't possibly acknowledge that it is some great strength or amazing
0: feat that right. you have done
1: yeah that's a right. that's, that's a really interesting way to look at that.
0: For, for you, every time I hear you talk about setting up a system, learning a new technology, making an operation efficient, you're so naturally and intrinsically good at that that you can't comprehend someone else just not intuitively understanding that. Mm. You're just, that's just how you're wired. You're so good at that, Richard. And, and so when you're trying to train certain people those skills, it can be frustrating and you can lose patience because it's like, dude. Like it's just simple. And we have to stop and say, for you, it is. But for for that's many really human beings, like say, for example, me, that type of stuff is not intuitive. And I can, so it's easier for me to see the genius and that you're really good at it. Whereas because it's your natural tendency, you're like, you brush it off. Right. And like you said, it's not because of humility. It's just like, that's how you're wired. Yeah, It's assume no, no assumed
1: knowledge. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the thing that makes you great, can ultimately become your downfall. And I think this is a great example. In leadership, the thing that happens second nature to you is not only something that may be difficult for you to acknowledge a native genius in, a skill yeah. in, but it's also a point of frustration because you can't acknowledge that you are better than most Correct. gifted in it. You you assume yep. everyone else is as it is as easy and comes as naturally to everyone else as it does to you, therefore you can lead with frustration when others fall yeah. behind. I have fallen into that trap more times than I can tell you. And unknowingly, and I mean, and now I've just got a list of the the times running through my head. I kind of want to throw up a little bit, but getting frustrated with people for not <laughs> understanding something that comes very easily to me, not yes. even once thinking, I may be better at this than, than a lot of people, or maybe I'm not even better. I just have more reps. Yeah. It's not that they don't care because for me, I think most of it's like, you're not trying. If I'm not trying and I've come up with this and you can't even keep up, you're not trying. Mm -hmm. Therefore you don't care. Now I'm ascribing intent and boy, I've just given you a roadmap to
0: disaster and trust breaking
1: as a leader. Yep. Totally.
0: If we were in a live audience right now, and all the audience that's listening right now—by the way, we love you, those that are listening. It's awesome that you are. If we were able to see you face to face, and I would—I would do that classic cliche thing that speakers do: raise your hand. If, but if I were to say, those of you that can actually hear what we just said of and acknowledge and say, "Yeah, I can totally appreciate that," Hmm. how many people does this resonate with? Guarantee, we'd have 100% of the hands raised. Because you just go, "Oh man, I haven't ever thought of it like that." But it's so critical to, to really understand what are we really good at? Then the last the last one to bring is or the last question to ask is, what can bring in income? Where can I make money doing it? See, I like to, you know, I've 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 seen this model and I've kind of tweaked it, but the model is is done through through overlapping circles. And when the four of them come together, that's right at the epicenter of our purpose. So again. What does the world need? Slash, what is God's desire for you? What do you love doing? What are you good at doing? And what are you paid for? For you know, what, what are you paid for doing? In the middle of that is our is can be our our purpose. And if we look at only two of those, or you know what have you that th- this model I like, like if you say what's what what's God's desire for you and what do you love doing, that's your mission. In in one way, shape, or form, what are you paid for and you love doing? it That ideally is a vocation. What are you good at and you paid for? That's a profession. But see, you don't necessarily love it, right? So it's just a profession. But what are you good at and what's got God's desire for you? That's a passion. See, but when you put them all together, that's a purpose. Mm, and that, I love that that exercise is a really really fun kind of a gamification of it. So don't take it so seriously. Just have fun with it and answer and, the questions. Yeah, no, I. I love, like, can you go
1: back over that one more time? And I know people can rewind, but Mm -hmm. just give me that one more time. Give me the, the kind of your overlaps of those different areas and what, what each one means because you you went through, obviously that's second nature
0: to you. And I went, whoa. Right. Uh, so give me that again. All right. So when you combine God's desire for you and what you love doing, that's your mission. Okay. When you combine what you love doing and you're paid for it, that's a vocation. When you combine you're paid for it and you're good at doing it, that's a profession. And when you combine you're good at it and it's what God's desires for you, that's a passion. Mm. So, but in the when you combine all four, that's that's the eureka moment. And that's your purpose. That's your purpose. Wow. That's great. And, and I think it's
1: interesting that none of those, you know, usually when you're seeing someone using some sort of Venn diagram or, or example of like, when the, mm-hmm. when you have these two, but not this one, here's the negative right. connotation. I didn't hear right. any of those being negative. Mm-hmm. Oh no. All I have is passion. Oh no. Right. All, all I have uh, is a profession right. because I can see a scenario where I say, man, my I don't know how to get paid for, or I don't know how to get paid as well for my purpose as I can for my profession, Right, but I get paid very well for my profession and my, I can roll over my compensation for my profession to pursue my purpose. Yeah. I could see those scenarios because I think so many times people, some of the overwhelm that comes from this decision is if I acknowledge my purpose. My mission, what changes do I have to make in my life? I have to quit my job. Mm-hmm. Do I have to like get rid of my pet? Do I have to get a pet? Do I have to move? Do I have to right. have an unfortunate or or difficult conversation with my significant other? My family, mm-hmm. my this, because it's such a in order for this to be true, everything must change. Well, what if it doesn't? Right. What if it doesn't have to retroactively change decisions you've been made you've made only affects the roadmap forward. And that doesn't necessarily mean I have to change jobs. I have to change locations. I have to change partners. I have to change religions. I have to change whatever. It just means I now have a guiding principle that clearly tells me why I chose the goals I chose in the past. And it gives me a bigger boost of motivation when I'm running low. That's what I took from it. I expected to enter into this conversation far more antagonistic towards the concept as a whole. And I was excited about playing that role and a bit disappointed that I kept nodding in agreeance and agreement as we move forward. But I'm, I'm also (laughs) really, really happy because I think some of it is just semantics, what you're calling purpose. I've got nine or 10 other different ways that I've said it. So for what it's worth and to those of you who are helpful, like obviously words matter, obviously what we call things and name things matter, but I, I I think that I'm entering or I'm exiting this conversation, this episode, more of a, of a believer in, and not only the power of it, but the ability for me to go and, and actually have clarity
0: in my purpose. That's not, yeah. expe- not where I expect it to be. Hmm. That's great. Hopefully others that are listening can say the same. And again, to tie it back to why we started this, when we get clear on our per- personal purpose, then when we set goals we can ideally align these goals that are relevant to our personal purpose. That's where longevity and sustainable energy comes from. That's what gives us the passion and desire to wake up, to follow through, to do do the things that many human beings just don't do because we're kind of lost and we're kind of on autopilot and we're not fully awake. We want to awaken you. We want to inspire you. We want you to live your fullest, best most productive, most happy, most fulfilling life. And I think too many human beings don't. And the blessing for me was being diagnosed with cancer and having a major rude awakening of what are you doing on this planet? And how can you do more? And how can you make every day count? And let go of fear. Mm. Fear is what is holding us back to doing massive, awesome, important things. Let go. And when we get a, have a healthy relationship with fear. It is so therapeutic for our ability to just go and create and go do big things in service of others and in service of what a higher power would like us to do. That's where it all comes together in such a, a really fulfilling, exciting way. And it's frankly why we're on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just it's kind of cool how it comes for full circle. And I know my personal purpose and I'm very clear on it. And anything I can do that aligns with that, I'm all in that's why we're here to help everybody that's listening, be ready to lead. So take action, do something from this, reach out to us. If you have questions, if you have pushback, we want to hear from you. We really, really do. And we want you to break through and be even more ready to lead after you apply the, the principles of this episode.
1: Perfect. Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you for, for challenging bias and thank you for sharing just a tactical and practical way. To walk through such a a big and and seemingly daunting question to answer, hmm. uh, I know I benefited a lot, and and on behalf of of not only myself but all the listeners who I'm sure have benefited as well. I just want to say thank you for for sharing, and for those of you listening, thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we hope you'll come back and stay tuned for more actionable advice from Jeff and a fun new guest that we have planned for the show. So until next time, thank you, and I hope you feel a little more ready to lead after our time together today.
0: Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into, or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know. Send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one.